Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. We bring you all the glory. 
We bring you all the honor, God is good. So good. So good. So good. Greetings, saints. Once again, in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church, Kenston, North Carolina, USA, and I'd like to welcome you all once again to another edition of Teaching the Word. doctrine is brought to the ears of thousands of God's people all over the world. Our God is good today. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. Our God is worthy, he's worthy. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Our God is worthy, Jesus, you're worthy, you're worthy, Lord, of all the praise. Lord, we love you today, because you first loved us, Lord, we bring you all of the praise. I just want to thank you. I just want to praise you. I just want to give you all the glory. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Children of God, we greet each of you once again in the mighty, the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our strength and our Redeemer. We thank God for another beautiful day that He has made. This is the day the Lord has made, children of God. We should rejoice. And we should be glad in it. Thank God for each of you. We pray the Lord is blessing you very well wherever this broadcast is finding you. I do know that if you are 
hearing my voice right now, wherever you may be, whatever you may be going through, whatever season, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever hardship you are faced with, if you are hearing my voice, you are blessed. Understand that where there is life, there is hope. Where there is life, there is hope. Whatever things we have not gotten right with our Creator, whatever things we have not gotten right with our Lord and Savior, uh, because we have life, we have an opportunity to get them right. For those of you that have been worshiping with us, you know we are working on our most recent topic entitled, We Must. We must, and we thank God for revelation and insight concerning some things that we just must go through. Now, there's no need of playing with this thing, and there's no need of calling this thing what it is not. This Christian walk, this walk with God, this fellowship with our Creator, there are some musts, in, uh, there are some obligations the Scripture even talks about. We have obligations certain things that we have to do, you know, out there as children of God. There's certain things that God expects out of us. And if God does not get these things, then it's going to be uh, trouble. It's going to be some problems. Like our Nigerian brothers and sisters say, it's going to be some wahala, which means problems or trouble. So we want to, because God is still a covenant God, because his nature is still that of a, of, of, of a covenant keeper, he will let us know the things that we must do or that we must experience so that he can do the things that he says he's going to do as a contract. Understand for each one of you all out there under the sound of my voice that that is born again, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. You have entered into a contract with God. Now, a lot of us as, as black people, we, we have problems with contracts. See, our white brothers and sisters, that, that, that seems to be something that, that's a little more they're the ones that believe with that. It's us as African blacks. We be having problems with our track. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll pay for the car for, you know, we know we signed for the car for five years, but after year three, you know, we, we get tired of seeing that money come out of our check. So now we want to do something different. Then we want to get upset when the man come and repossess the car. What was in the contract? You say, Apostle, what you driving at? We have to our end of the contract with God. God is a covenant God, legal binding between two parties. As long as the earth, God said there's going to be some contract. There's going to be some, there's going to be some things that's going to be summer and winter. God said as long as the earth remains. Seed time and harvest. God said as long as the earth remains. Cold and heat, night and day. As long as the earth remains, there's certain things that's just going to be. We must. Look at capital A, we must go through we must go through some things. We look at Acts fourteen twenty two, Exodus fourteen and sixteen. Capital B, we must give an account before God. No need to trying to live like we're not. No need to trying to behave like we're not. We must give an account to God. Everything we have done, everything we have thought, everything we have, our motives, our purposes, our plans, the real reason why we do what we do, say what we say, we've got to give an account. Romans uh, 14, 12, 1 Peter 4 and 5. Capital C, we must stand before God. Now, you kill yourself if you want to. You serve the devil if you want to. You do all kind of things. God gives individuals the freedom to do all kind of things. But understand, you're going to stand before God and explain yourself. We looked at Revelation 20 and 12. 
And in Luke chapter 1 and 19, it brings us down to capital D. We must do the deeds of our Father. Now, I'm not going into just yet who your Father is, but you, you're going to do the deeds of your Father. If you ever wonder who your Father is, look at your deeds. Look at your deeds. Deeds, deeds tell the story. See, deeds tell the story better than, than people tell the story. Deeds. To let folk tell it. Oh, man, everybody's a good person. Everybody is trying to do right. Everybody is. Uh, they let folk tell it. But deeds tell a better story. And this is why the scripture tells us, thank you, Holy Spirit, that a tree is known by the fruit it bears. A tree is known by the fruit. The reason why we know an apple tree is, in fact, an apple tree is because it is producing apples. Now, if that apple tree all of a sudden started producing oranges, we would cease to call it an apple tree because its fruit does not bear out what it is claiming. Well, this is how we know certain individuals are not really saved because your, your actions or your deeds are not bearing out what is coming out of your mouth. So what we want to do, children of God, is we want to line up our deeds with our profession. Apostle Paul told young Timothy, he said, watch your lifestyle or your deeds as well as your doctrine, what you're saying and what you're teaching and what you're preaching. God is a God of balance, and he wants our lifestyle to be uh, match up with our doctrine or what we are professing. As children of God, we are professing to be uh, children of God. We are professing to be the righteousness of God. We are professing to be holy. We are professing to be all these things. God wants us to match our lifestyle up with our profession. We're going to look at the book of John, chapter 8, verse 41. John, chapter 8, verse 41. We're going to see an example of individuals whose profession and deeds were not matching up. Whose profession and deeds were not matching up. Verse John, chapter 8, verse 41, from the New International Version, the scripture says, you are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Once again, John chapter 8, verse 41. Jesus said, you, you are doing the things your own father does. People said, no, no, we, we're not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. Capital D in our outline, we must do the deeds of our Father. We must do the deeds of our Father. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Again, Father, we thank you for another beautiful day that you have made. We thank you, Father, for the rains that you have sent down from heaven. You have told us in your word that the rains will not return unto heaven's void but they, they will accomplish that for which they have been sent. Father, let your word rain down in our midst today. And just as your natural rains will not return to heaven until it has accomplished the purpose in which it was sent, we pray, Father, that your word, as it rains down in our hearts and our minds, will not return to you void, but it will accomplish in us purpose in which you are sending it. Every word that you speak through this earthly vessel today, Father, may it accomplish the purpose 
for which you sent it into the lives of your people. May it accomplish the purposes in me that you have sent it. May it accomplish the purposes in, in every individual under the sound of my voice, Father, that we may uh, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we may uh, put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature, that we may become more like you in thought, word, and deed. May your spirit, which you have placed in our hearts, manifest in our physical man. May you come out of us today, Father, and do your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, as you do these things for us, we will be very careful to continue giving your name, which is above all other names, all glory, all the honor, and all the praise. This is our prayer. In Jesus' mighty and glorious name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. We look at the book of John, chapter 8, and we see Jesus dealing with the Jews. As you focus in on verses 31 through 41, you see our Lord and Savior dealing with the Jews. Now, one of the things that God immediately places in my spirit in regards to the Jews is that God said, Robert, be careful uh, and encourage and exhort my people to be careful in their thoughts and their words concerning the Jews. Thank you. Heavenly Father, God says, because it wasn't all the Jews who were in opposition to me. It wasn't all the Jews, God says, that were in opposition to Christ. There were some Jews who believed in him. You think about his disciples. For the most part, they were Jews. So there were Jews that were doing good, and there were Jews that they were doing bad, just as black folk. For some of you white folk out there that, that believe all us black folk is bad, well, the reality is some of us are, just like some of y'all are. But then some of us is trying to do good, just like some of you are. You, you, you cannot throw a blanket over any race of people, God says, because there are good and there are bad in all races of people. You say, Apostle, why? Is this important? It's important because if we're not careful, we believe if we're not careful and if we're not sensitive to the Spirit of God, we may start thinking that the Jews, because of their treatment of our Lord and Savior, because of uh, they were the ones that many of which rejected Jesus. The Bible says He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But to as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become sons of God. Well, it wasn't all the Jews that. That, that didn't receive him because there were some that received him. And to them that received him, he gave power to become sons of God. I want to encourage you, just like as I preach this word out here. I know all of you all out there that's listening to me, you're not in opposition. Some of you all are at your home, at your computer, watching on TV, different places, like, yeah, man, God, preach it. I'm with you. I might not be with you in, 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 in physically, but I'm with you in spirit. So, so understand that, that, that we have two types of people that we interact with in this world. We have those who are with us, and we have those who are against us. So it was with Jesus 
with the Jews. You look at uh, John chapter 8, verse 31. Bible says, to the Jews who had believed him. See, now, this is one of the probably one of the most uh, uh, unfinished scriptures that you will hear quoted in the Bible. There are a number of scriptures that, that roll off of a lot of people's tongues, very, very smooth-like, and, and many of them are, are unfinished scriptures. This is one of the most un, this is one of the unfinished scriptures that rolls off of many people's uh, tongues, very, very smooth-like. What you will oftentimes hear is individuals say, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, I'm not saying that's not scripture. I'm just saying it's just a part of scripture. That in order to understand fully or to understand and to comprehend what Jesus was saying, you have to take that scripture, you have to take it in the whole of that scripture and not just a part of it. You look at verse 31, John chapter 8, verse 31. The scripture says, to the Jews who believed in him. You say, Apostle, why is that important? It's important because, and I've shared this with you a number of times, any time you study the word of God or you read the word of God, it's important to know who God is talking to. One of, the, one of the biggest mistakes you will ever make in trying to walk with God and in trying to, to live for God and do for God is to take the instructions that God gave to somebody else that he's not giving to you or to take words that God has spoken to one group that he's not speaking to your group. You have to know who God is talking to. God is not saying everything to everybody. God, like a father that has more than one child. He, well, he's going to say certain things to just that he may not say to, the, to his infants. Well, God, it's one of us as God's creation, even as children of God, we are unique. Understand that there has never been and there will never be another you. You are unique in all of God's creation. No one that has ever lived before will, or no one who will ever live will have the exact same instructions from God as you. You're unique. Just as a father, again, that has more than one child, he's going to have a unique relationship with each one of those children. Why? Because each one of those children is unique. I want to let you to know this morning that you are Unique. Now, the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him. So understand that what you are about to read and what you're about to see as you study this particular verse is that Jesus is not saying this to everybody, that Jesus is not saying this to, to this is to a specific group of Jews. This is a specific group of Jews that Jesus is talking to. And what Jesus says here is that if you hold to my teaching, now this is very important, children of God, because you need to understand, and I've shared this with many congregations around the world, God is a covenant God, and God is a conditional God. A lot of people don't like to hear that. We like to, we like to, to, to think that because God loves us unconditionally, that he will bless us unconditionally. And there's nothing, further, there's nothing that could be any further from the truth. God, in fact, loves us all unconditionally, black, white, rich, 
poor, young, old, saved, unsaved. Doesn't matter what you are and what you're into. God says, I love you. But my blessings, and God says this is very important for us to understand that the blessings of God are very conditional. The blessings of God. They are very, now conditional in, lets us to know that there are things that we must do that must be met in order to believe uh, them. Now, Jesus said, look, if you hold to my teaching. Now, that if, small word, carries a big, a big punch. If you hold to my teaching. Now, what we understand then is that if you don't hold to his teaching, then none of the rest of this applies. If you, in other words, if you don't meet this particular condition, so you say, Apostle, what are you driving at? That there are certain blessings that God has for you and I if we hold to his teaching. There are certain things, good things, that God is going to do to us if we hold to his teaching. There are certain revelations that God is going to give us if we hold to his teaching. There are certain, when we, if we hold to his teaching, God said, then I got some special stuff for you. Now, if you don't hold to my teaching, God said, I don't have to give you the special stuff. My prayer for you under the sound of my voice is that you'll meet the condition that you might receive the special stuff. Because when we meet the condition of God, then, then God's covenant nature begins to kick in. And the special stuff, the good stuff, God said, give, and it shall be given unto you. All right, you don't want to give. But then at some point, what's going to happen, God's going to stop giving to you. You need to understand that. Because the, the condition is that you give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Some of you all under the sound of my voice, you, don't, you are just spiritually blind enough not even to realize that the reason why God blessed you with that good job is because you've been a blessing to his work and to his kingdom. Some of you all don't even know that. Some of you all understand my voice. You don't even know the reason why God has blessed you with that, that nice house or blessed you with that nice car or blessed you with that, that promotion. You don't, even, you don't even know. And the adversary doesn't want you to know, but I'm here to let about some of you all know under the sound of my voice that the reason that you have been blessed is that you might be a blessing. Every one of us that has been blessed by God, God expects us to be a blessing. God says, I will bless you. He blesses us, not just for us to be blessed, not just for us to hoard up, not just for us to, to stockpile, but God blesses us that we might be a blessing. If, Jesus says, you hold to my teaching. Now, Jesus, look, that proves that you are really my disciple. We're talking about, we're talking about, uh, the deeds of, 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 of we must do the deeds of our Father. See, holding to the teachings of Christ proves who your Father really is. You don't want to hold to the teachings of Christ, and then all that proves is that, that God is not your Father. The teachings of Christ are much like a litmus test. They prove who we really belong to. They prove who we're really serving. They prove who we really love. You don't love the word of God, then you don't love the, the God of the word. But if you love the word of God, and I know some of you out there under the sound of my voice, you love the word of God, that's because you love the God of the word. You love hearing what God got to say. 
Why? Because you you love the truth. You love the truth. When you love God's word, that's because you love the truth. Now you love a bunch of television. You love a bunch of movies. You love a bunch of you know. Uh, Let's see, you love a bunch of lies. Cause that's a lot of what you got going on TV. That's a lot of what you got going on movies. Bunch of lies. Apostle, are you saying anything wrong? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that that they understand what you are watching when you watch a TV show or you watching the average movie. Yeah, once you watch a bunch of lies. God wants us to love, to fellowship, to be intimate with the truth. Watch what the Bible says. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Now, without holding to the teachings of Christ, you don't even know the truth. You don't even know, you don't even know when you've been lied to. You don't even know when you've been hoodwinked. You don't even know when you've been bamboozled. If you they, see, see, understand that that holding to the teachings of Christ will open your eyes and let you to see. Because everybody not telling the truth. Everybody not preaching the truth. Everybody not living the truth. We are as human beings. The scripture says that we have been conceived in sin. We are shaped in nature. We are deceivers by nature. And this is why God wants you and I not to operate. In our old nature, because our old nature is deceptive. Well, you look at you look at that old nature. No, but who teaches a child a lie? Whoever I'm gonna tell you who teaches a child a lie, Satan. Most most parents are not gonna sit down and say, "Look, uh, son, here's how you tell a lie. Now here's how you deceive people. Now here's how you trick." But no, most. But yet, children be knowing how to lie. Ain't that something? Come in, child, doing something. That, that you don't want them to do, you come bust in the room asking what they're doing, uh, a lot of times, I'm nothing, I, I, I'm not doing anything. Well, who taught that child how to lie? You say, Apostle, what's driving it? It comes with the package. It's a part of this sinful, fallen nature that we inherited from Adam. It's when we come to Christ. It's when we accept the Spirit of God that we now receive a new nature. And now we have the choice to either walk in a new nature or to walk in that old man. But without the new nature, what we are is just a mess as human beings. Listen, I don't care how people be smiling and how they dress it up and Photoshop and try to do We as human beings, we are a mess. God calls out our gener- the generation of humanity a wicked and adulterous generation. You need to know from God's estimation. I know you might think you're good. Oh, Pastor, I don't know about that. I'm a good person. I've been a good person. Not without Christ, you ain't. Without Christ, you're wretched. You're wretched. Naked, miserable, pitiful, and blind. I'm just telling you how God sees things now. Your righteousness if without Christ is as a filthy rag before holy God. That's why you need to be saved. Mm-mm. See, the devil got you fooled. If, he got, if you're thinking that you, apart from Christ there is any good thing in you, the devil got you fooled real, real good. Got you tricked. Got blinded. You need to come on around and acknowledge and understand like I do. That with other than Christ in me, I am a wretch. And the reality is that other than if, that other than Christ in you, you are a wretch. Why do you think the songwriter says or uh, sung that song uh, about a wretch like me? I can't even remember how it go now. You know, a wretch like me, because that's what we are without Christ. That's what we are apart from Christ. That's what we are apart from the Spirit of God. So this is why we thank God that he has given us a part of himself to counteract this wretched 
part of ourselves. So now inside of me, there is the spirit of God, which is righteous, holy, and pure. And then there's, there's the me, which is wretched, impure, perverted, and disgusted. And now this battle is taking place like Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. You say, Apostle, what are you saying? Now you're saying something that, that's really touching me. You're saying something. Well, the reality is, my brother and my sister out there, you and I, we got a serious conflict that is going on inside of us. There's the new nature. There's Christ. There's righteousness. There's what God is telling us to do and how God wants us to do things. Then there's the old nature that's saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to study. I don't want to give to the church. I don't want to live for God. I want to exercise the lust of the body. We got this conflict going on inside of us. It's a rough conflict. But thanks be to God that through Christ we have already won. We have already overcome through Christ. So in order to know the truth, you've got to hold to the truth. In order to know uh, uh, what good is going to come out of your trial, you've got you to you hold on through that trial. See, the adversary's thing is to try to get you and I to, to give up before God finished doing what he's doing. He likes to do that, try to get you and I to give up, throw in a towel. See, God be saying, look, you know, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Well, the adversary's thing is, you know, don't persevere. Don't stand the test. Then he can come in and tell you, see, because, see, the only way you can get the promise of God is that you endure. only way you can get the promise or the blessing of God is that you pass through. David said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, what's on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death? The table prepared for him in the presence of his enemies. Every thing is kill yourself in the, in, the, in the valley of the shadow of death. Why? So that you never get to that table that's prepared for you on the other side. Just like nation of Israel. God take the nation of Israel out of Egypt, tell them he got a promised land for them, land flowing with milk and honey, good and spacious land. But then, you know, they got to pass through the wilderness. Adversary's thing is do something crazy in the wilderness so you never make it into the promised land. My prayer for you under the sound of my voice is that you will make it through your wilderness and get to the promised land. You will make it through this trial that you are experiencing. You will make it through this difficult time on a new job. You will make it through this difficult time in your marriage. You will make it through. You will, make, you will push through to get the good stuff. God's got good stuff on the other side of your wilderness. On the other side of your trial, the Bible says that our light and momentary afflictions are achieving in us a far greater eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You say, Apostle, what does that mean? That means that you've got to pass through the light and momentary afflictions that you are faced with in this life in order to get to that great glory that God has on the other side. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching." You're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Then, then, then. So you don't just get to know the truth. The truth is not a, is not a, a luxury item. The truth is not a luxury item. The truth is something that you have got to, in, you, in order to know it, in order to be set free by it, the truth is something you have to work for. You have to be diligent in. You see, you say, look, you got stuff you got to do if you want to know the truth and if you want to be set free by the truth. Jesus said, you got to hold to my teeth. You got to hold on. 
You got to hold on in the midst of a wicked and adulterous generation. You got to hold on in the midst of a perverted, perverted uh, a dispensation. You got to hold on. You got to hold on in the midst of being in the minority, in the midst of being ridiculed, in the midst of being hated, in the midst of the folk leaving you and abandoning you. God says you still got to hold on if you want to know the truth and be set free by the truth. So we see here that there are things that must be done. Now, as Jesus began to talk this kind of talk to the Jews, some of them took offense. You say, Apostle, what, what, what are you saying? Always understand in every generation and in every dispensation there's going to be a group that the truth is going to offend. You're not going to preach and teach the truth of God. There's no way I can get up here and tell you all and teach the word of God without offending a bunch of y'all like that. I know that there's a bunch of you all out there that's possible preach that word. Preach that word. There's a whole lot of you all out there trying to figure out how in the world set this man up. Because the truth is always going to offend somebody. The truth is always going to upset. Just as just like the truth will set you free, if you don't love the truth, then the truth will up will piss you off. Upset. Again, speak the truth. You know, one of the byproducts of speaking the truth is is very serious and very serious attack. You all out there the sound of my voice? You want all these attacks coming? All I'm doing is telling the truth. Well, that's why. <laughs> one man told me as a young Christian, he said, "Son, if you really want to start making some enemies, he said, you start telling the truth." Oh my God, you make enemies, boy. You make black enemies. You make white enemies, you make rich, you make poor enemies. Why? Because when the truth starts coming, the adversary, people start getting nervous because the reality of the situation is that we all have some darkness in us. We all got some stuff in us. And this is why God keeps sending his word. Because what God wants to do is he wants to rid darkness in me and you. Why you keep, if you go in your room, it's late at night and it's dark and then you want a little bitty light and you, need, and you can't see still, you know, well, you turn on more light. Why? Because you want to get more darkness out of there so that you can do more. Well, so it is when it comes down to, to God. God, that's why he keeps sending his word to you and he keeps sending his word to me because God wants to get more and more darkness out of us so that we can do more for him so that we can speak more for him, so that we can live more for him. God wants the darkness. You know, this Bible says this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Light has come into the world. Truth has come into the world. Righteousness, the way God wants things, has come into the world. But the Bible says men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Anyone who does evil hates the light and will not hide for fear that his deeds will be exposed. That's why a lot of people don't like the truth of God. Because God's word going to expose you. Might as well. God, God, that's what God's word do. It exposes our wicked deeds. And that's why a lot of you don't love the word of God, and then that's why some of us do. Be close me, Lord, because the only way that you and I can be fixed, the only way that we can be be presentable before God on the rapture is that we have these wicked deeds exposed. A lot of times we see a ceremony take place, pastor done got caught, cheating, none of that. Oh, we feel so bad. It's a good thing. Because the only way we can straighten up our wicked deeds and the darkness that is in us is that it get exposed. 
And that's what God's word do. It exposes us. It exposes the darkness. So that darkness will go. You can't get darkness out of a room you refuse to turn a light on in, in the natural. You refuse to turn a light on and you want darkness out of that room. No, you don't. You want darkness to stay. So it is when it comes down to the darkness that in us. Until light gets shed on that, until God's word speak on that in our hearts and our mind, that particular darkness is what will stay. So it's a good thing when light comes, when God's word exposes us. It's a good thing. This is a good thing that Jesus is saying to the people. You know, they didn't like it. You know, they tried to kick against it. But what Jesus was saying was a good thing. What Jesus is saying today is a good thing. Whether we take it, whether we accept it, whether we, all that's our business. What Jesus is saying is a good thing. Because God, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that we all will come to a knowledge of the truth. God doesn't want to have sent you and me to hell. He will if he have to, but he doesn't want to. God got to do stuff every day he don't like doing. Even God got to do stuff he don't even like doing. That's why he said, the Bible says it's not his will that any should perish. Every day God sending somebody to hell. He don't want to do it, but God be like, I got to do it. Any more than the average parent want to have, wants to, to spank their child or beat their child. No, I don't want to have to do this, but I will. You keep acting like a fool. God said, yeah, I will send you to hell even though I don't want to do it. If you keep acting like a fool, if you won't believe me, if you want to accept what my prophets and my apostles are speaking on my behalf, I, God said, I will. I don't want to, but I will. Parents, I said, look, I want to have to preach, but if you keep acting, you keep making them in school, keep getting in trouble with the police, yeah, I'm going to beat you. I don't want to, but I will. In life, we have to do some. We're talking about we must. We must do some things that we don't want, like to do. There's some things that each of us don't like to do that we, we must do. God, I don't particularly. God don't like to have to kill people because they keep right on. He's keep, but God said, I will. God kill his own children. They keep right on saying it. Talking about in the book of Corinthians, how that you know, individuals wasn't taking, taking in properly. And Paul had to tell them, said, This is why a number of you are weak and sickly and will fall on the sleep. God be doing stuff he don't want. Why? Because we be doing stuff he don't want us to do. That's why that's what makes stuff he don't want to do. God don't want to have to take that job from you. Well, you just won't give. You just won't be, you just will, you just want to be selfish, and you just refuse to give like the Lord. God said, I will take it. Let you feel, God said, what I do is let you feel what you're trying to do tomorrow. Since you want to starve my kingdom, since you want my kingdom to lack, let me let you feel that. Let me take that job so you feel, so you get a chance to feel what it's like not having some steady income coming in. Now, God be doing a lot of stuff to get us to feel what we be doing. To feel what we be doing. Abraham is our father. Jews were like, we ain't trying to hear all this you talking about, Jesus. We, we're not trying to hear this. Abraham, verse 30, 39, Abraham is our father, they answered. And then Jesus come back and said, if you were Abraham's children. Jesus said, look, I know Abraham. <laughs> Me and Abraham, we, 
we are well acquainted with one another. You say, Apostle, how are you going to say that? Jesus, Jesus wasn't around physically when Abraham lived. He may not have been, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus knew, Abraham knew Jesus because he knew the Word. And the way Abraham responded to the Word, whenever God told him something, whenever God instructed Abraham to do something, for the most part, Abraham did it willingly and Abraham did it obediently. Abraham was very well acquainted with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he was in the form of the Word. And this is why Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children. Abraham responded favorably to the word. Abraham obeyed the word. Abraham listened to the word. Abraham wasn't trying to kill the word. Abraham was working with the word. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the things your own father does. Jesus, look, you need to understand that your deeds your mouth is saying one thing, but your deeds are saying another. This is why the scripture says, not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, will enter into my kingdom. Jesus said, for many will cry, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out demons and done many miracles and wonderful works? And the Lord will tell them plainly, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't know you. I never knew you. Into the place prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Because your mouth is saying one thing but you need to say another thing. May God help us today to fix our deeds. And as we are, as we are working on fixing our mouth and working on fixing our doctrine and working on it, may God also help us to fix our deeds so that our doctrine and our deeds will match up, so that what we are preaching and what we are living will match up, so that what we are teaching and what we are doing will match up. Jesus said, look, there's a problem. There's a disconnect between what's coming out of your mouth and what I'm seeing you do. Your mouth is claiming that you are Abraham's descendants, but your deeds are claiming that you are the devil's descendants. And I'm hearing Jesus say, I'm going to judge you by your deeds. You think about what, what you would do. Would you, you own a company, you own a big-time company, one character come in there and say that he know how to fix all the computers in the company and he know exactly what to do to, to fix every one of the computers. You turn that joker loose on the computers, he can't even turn the computer on. Or another character come in there, he don't say nothing. But you put him in any problem you give him that the computer has, he able to fix it. Who you going to want to hire? The joker that's talking a good game or the joker that's living or doing doing the right thing. Come on now, this is God be giving us earthly examples. Real, real simple stuff so that y'all can be without excuse. So that we can be without excuse. God give us real, real simple stuff. One character come in the company talking about, oh, yes, I can fix everything. Don't worry about it. I got out of it. You, he, you put him in front of one of the computers, he can't even turn it on. Other character come in, don't say a word. You put him in front of every computer you give him that's tore up. He fix it and have it running by the end of the day. Who you going to hire, the one that's talking the good game or the one that's doing the good game? The one that's doing. See? Now, preferably, God wants us not only to do, because we've got to share this thing. He, he wants us to, to make disciples, and we've got to tell individuals about the goodness of Christ, but he wants us to live it. He wants, us to, he wants our deeds, our deeds, our deeds, our deeds. Jesus said there's a disconnect between your talk and your deeds. May God help us that our deeds, that our talk, 
and our deeds will match up. Jesus said, you are doing the things your own father does. Understand, that's, that's, that's a part of humanity. And this is why, God, we have to cry, Abba, Father. We have to accept the Spirit of God so that God will now become our Father. First John, I think it is, 5 and 16, up around there, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. This is why God had to fix it up, because she's going to do See, Look at what you're doing. Look at your deeds, because your deeds tell the story as to who your father is. We want God as our father, so God has fixed it up through faith in Jesus Christ that we can now cry, Abba, which is father by adoption, and God will now be our father. He's always been our creator, but he hasn't always been our father. God's always been our creator. He's the creator of all things, but he hasn't always been our father. It was only when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and received the Holy Spirit that God became our heavenly father. And now that he is our father, he expects us to do his deeds. He expects us to speak when he says speak. He expects us to go when he says go. He expects us to give when he says give. Now that God is your father, he expects us to follow orders from him. Why? Because unknowingly we were following the orders of Satan, who was our father, prior to God becoming our father. God said, look, you understand following orders. You were following orders of Satan. When you weren't saved, Satan tell you to go to the club. You went to the club. Satan tell you to fornicate, commit adultery. You fornicate, commit adultery. Satan tell you to get drunk. You got drunk. You understand following orders. God said, just now that you're over here in the kingdom, now all of a sudden you, you don't know if you want, you want to follow orders. You were following orders just fine when you were in sin. God said, now that you're in my kingdom, follow orders just fine from him, from our new father. God is our new father now that we are born again. And just like we had a father when we were in sin that taught us all kind of craziness, now that we are in righteousness, we have a father that's teaching us the right thing. Jesus said, you're doing the thing your own father does. Well, Jews are still. They're not trying to hear this. We are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. Well, what do we have here? We have a conflict. We have a conflict. Jesus saying that your father is one individual. You saying that your father is another individual. Well, somebody's going to be proven wrong. And let me give you a little hint. It's not going to be Jesus. You saying that you saved, God saying that you're not saved. You saying that you're giving what God told you to give, God telling them that you're not giving what you've been told to give. Well, somebody, there's a conflict. You saying you're attending church just fine. Your, your attendance to church is just fine. God saying, uh-uh, your attendance is not like it's supposed to. There's a conflict. We saying one thing, God saying another thing, there's a conflict. Well, somebody's going to be proven wrong at the end of the day. Let me give you a hint. It's not going to be God. Apostle, what, what are you driving at now? What, what exactly are you saying? It's God's report. It's God who cannot lie, not me and you. God is, God is it's not possible for God to lie. It's very possible for me and you to lie. It's not possible for God to be deceived. It's very possible for me and you to be deceived. So we've got to accept what God said about things. These Jews would have been much better served if they went on and said, all right, Jesus, even though we feel like you know, we are Abraham's descendant, but you saying we not, we're going to believe you because you God. 
And see, until you get to that place where you yield, like start yielding like that to God, you'll keep being deceived just like these Jews were. These Jews were deceived. They felt like Abraham was their father. Jesus trying to tell them, no, Abraham ain't your father. The devil is your father. You're going down a little bit further. Jesus said, look, the reality is you think that Abraham is your father. You think that you're saved. You think that you're sanctified. You think that you're in the proper relationship with God. But Abraham's not, I mean, but Jesus said, no, 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 really, your father's the devil. Now, they should have just went on and said, oh, okay, sorry, Lord. Let, let's fix that up then. Let's, let's straighten that out. But instead, they keep trying to protest. They keep trying to go, we're going to prove to God that he wrong. Do you know how ridiculous that is? Not just how ridiculous it sounds. Not just how ridiculous that looks. But do you know how ridiculous that is, that you're going to try to prove to God that he wrong? You're going to try to prove that God's word is wrong? It's, it's madness. It's madness. Not God that's going to be proven wrong in the end. It's going to be everybody. The Bible said, let God be true and every man a lie. It's every man that try to prove that God is wrong. That's who's going to find out that you're wrong. It's folk that have hit hell today. It's folk that were hardcore unbelievers, it spoke that were hardcore, didn't believe in God, that have hit hell today. That realized, oh man, we were the ones that were wrong. So I just want to encourage you under the sound of my voice today, children of God. Let us be mindful of our deeds. Let us be sensitive to the Spirit of God and let us understand that God is not wrong. His word is not wrong. We may be, but God can never be. May God continue to bless each of you and heaven smile on you in Jesus' mighty and glorious name. Those of you that did not get your donation sent in on Sunday, which the scripture commands, feel free to do so on today.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.